Apple is getting into Square's business. Twitter is growing like a small startup, and Netflix crossed 5 million downloads for its games. All that and more in this week's episode. Welcome to a new episode of This Week in Apps. I'm Ariel from App Figures, and here are five things you need to know about apps and games for this week. And let's start with Netflix. Last summer, Netflix announced they're getting into games in an attempt to make a Netflix subscription a little bit more competitive when it comes up against HBO Max and Disney Plus, which are now controlling streaming. Since starting to roll out games back in November of last year, Netflix released a total of 12 games to both the App Store and Google Play. And I was really curious to see just how many downloads are those games getting and which titles are getting most of those downloads. I have a little prediction, and if you watch that video, you know what I'm talking about. But let's start with the trend. Looking at the chart, you can see this is not a bad looking trend. It started pretty high at about 130,000 downloads a day and over time decreased to just about 40,000 downloads a day with those little spikes being weekends. And that's not a bad trend. That's pretty standard for really any launch. All things considered, this is a Netflix and they have a lot of advertising power. To push this. Now, one little thing that I found to be a little strange is if you try to find apps inside the Netflix app, you're not going to find them that easily. They don't have a button in the main menu and you have to swipe down a little bit to see them. I think Netflix can do a much better job highlighting them, but I think they expect people to come into the app to watch movies and shows and not exactly games, so they don't want to highlight them too much for now. Now, which games led the way? I looked at all 12 apps, I summed them up, and I ranked them by number of downloads. And these are the results that you can see on your screen right now. Stranger Things, which I think is the best show Netflix has ever produced and probably the most lucrative piece of intellectual property they have, dominated downloads. There are two games with that name and both are the most downloaded games with a combined total of almost 2 million downloads. Heater, Asphalt Extreme, and Bowling Bowlers all were released in November, so early on. Round up the top five most downloaded Netflix games. At the bottom of the list, we have Arcanium and Crispy Street, and both of those were just released about 10 days ago so I'm not surprised to see them at the bottom. Together, all of those games had a total of 5.2 million downloads. The question you might be asking is, is that a lot? And the answer is complicated. It's both a yes and a no. So in absolute terms, 5.2 million is a pretty big number and it's nice to have your games on 5 million devices. But at the same time, if you look at a game, a classic game, for example, 8-Ball Pool, a game I look at all the time, it's been around for nearly a decade. So it's not new, it's not super exciting, nothing is extraordinary about it, and it was downloaded 28 million million times in the same period. So the opportunity is there and they can definitely do it. Next up is Twitter. But before we move on to talk about Twitter, if you're new to the channel, hi, I'm Ariel. I go through a ton of app and game data every week to bring out the most interesting insights. And I do that every week here on this channel. If you're into that kind of thing, please subscribe. And if you like the insights, please give me a like. So Twitter, ever since Twitter added serious in-app purchases to its app, I've been curious about their performance and I talked about them a few times over the last few months. It's pretty normal, I think, to expect that when you have a big name like Twitter, there should be big revenue with it. But that was not the case from the beginning, and that's what makes this a little bit interesting. When I looked at it again this week, I noticed that Twitter crossed a nice little milestone just a few days ago. If you're looking at the numbers on your screen, they're not high, they're not amazing, they're not crazy, they're not TikTok level numbers, but they're good for Twitter. Net revenue, meaning what Twitter keeps after giving Apple and Google its fees, reached 530,000 when Superfollows became available, and I mark that as the serious in-app purchases. And looking at the chart, you can see the spikes are also growing, and those spikes are recurring purchases, aka subscriptions. I wouldn't call this space fast, but I also didn't expect it to be any different. This is 
a bit better than what I expected. After all, what Twitter is offering for money, which now includes paying for premium tweets, super follows, and a few nuanced features, which they bundle into Twitter Blue, face an uphill battle. Super follows is so limited right now by who can become a creator and who can make money, and I think that's also limiting revenue on the one side. And on the other, Twitter Blue is not really offering anything of value, in my opinion. The one thing that I personally think might be useful, and that's for someone like me, is longer videos of up to 10 minutes. That's the only thing that might be attracting me. But in general, I don't think that's really that exciting. There might be more to come, and I hope there is. But ultimately, that's probably why its revenue is not growing that fast. But seeing this growth is encouraging. It means that there's an opportunity there for Twitter to make some money. And as they open up super follows to more creators and as they add more features to Twitter Blue, I imagine we'll see more of that. Do you pay for Twitter Blue? I'm curious. If you are, leave me a comment. I would love to know what feature it is that got you hooked. Next up is Expedia-ish. See, Verbo, the other Airbnb, has seen a big spike in downloads in the last few weeks so high that it's now getting more downloads every day than Airbnb in the US according to our estimates. Crazy, right? Since Christmas, Verbo's daily downloads in the US have been outpacing Airbnbs by roughly 10%. The thing is, it seems to be a pattern that's based more on timing and less on demand. I think it's Verbo's that drumming up those downloads with paid ads and promotion as opposed to demand actually growing for Verbo. And that's something we see all the time. The question is, will it stick as an Airbnb alternative in a market that's not only dominated by one player, but is also pretty much just the one player. It's nice to see competition, but Verbo isn't some independent third party that's trying to take on big Airbnb. It was years ago, but then it got acquired and then it got acquired again and now it's actually owned by Expedia the travel booking service and I think that's interesting because Expedia which normally deals with hotels is now looking to take advantage of the market that Airbnb created and it definitely has the resources to do so. I'm not a user of Verbo, so I'm not sure if it can actually compete when it comes down to the service itself, but I did see someone call it the Wish version of Airbnb, and I think that's both good and bad because it might be just a cheaper version to get what you want. I think that in an industry where service actually matters, probably not so much. Next up is a very interesting one, intriguing, I would even call it, I read this week that Apple wants to get into the point of sale business right in the iPhone, taking on industry giant Square. Now, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, I'll explain that very quickly. Traditionally, store owners, any sort of retail store owners, would need a dedicated device to accept credit cards. Even in the age of computerized counters, a reader is still necessary. This applies to pretty much anyone who wants to accept credit cards, from Walmart all the way down to someone who has a little table in a flea market over the weekend. So Square created a tiny credit card reader that plugs right into any mobile device. It was the iPhone back then, but now it's really any mobile device and turns it into a reader. And the advantages are it's super inexpensive. It's really easy to get access to and you can just, it just works. You don't really have to be a store owner to do it. You just have to sign up with Square. And that was a game changer for the industry back a whole bunch of years ago. It made Square into a huge player in an otherwise stagnant and really boring and dry industry. They eventually went on to release their own point of sale software, which is what you would use to manage a real store, not just a flea market table. And now they're really the go-to solution for a lot of small stores. I spent a bunch of time in the point of sale world before starting App Figures, and I really love that industry. I think it's interesting. I would not necessarily call it exciting, but what's going on there is definitely important. This made a ton of sense to me for Apple to try to get into this game. But first, let's look at numbers. Using app downloads as a proxy to understanding the opportunity here, Square's point of sale app was downloaded a little more than 17 million times 
since the beginning of 2017. That means 17 million merchants, little store owners, have considered accepting payments through Square in the last four years. So why is Apple trying to get into this game? I forgot a little thing, a little thing. Every transaction that goes through Square actually results in a small commission to Square. So 17 million multiplied by however many transactions they have could end up being a lot of little commissions. And it turns out it's a lot more than just a little. So now that Apple is in the payments business with Apple Pay, they really have the foundation to take on Square. Technically, the iPhone has a credit card reader, NFC, built in, and Apple never allowed third parties to use it, so Square can't use it for its app, but Apple can. And that sounds like what Apple is going to do if you ask me. And that leaves Square at a disadvantage. They also have a relationship with enough banks and can negotiate for really good rates for their merchants or merchants who decide to use the Apple solution as opposed to Square really any other solution. And best of all, and I think that's, that's where the tricky part comes in, because so many people now use Apple Pay, they can offer discounts on both ends to the merchants who are accepting payments and to the users who are paying with the Apple Card or with Apple Pay or really any combination of those. But I think there's a problem with that. I sense a huge antitrust lawsuit coming if they actually go through with it and start offering it, especially if they don't open up NFC to third parties and then they'll give Square somewhat of an advantage. The payment industry stepped into a gray area when Chase started offering payment processing and that was a few years ago and in my opinion, that was a very questionable move, but no one really said anything. So I have a feeling that maybe this will go overlooked. But at the same time, Apple is under so much more scrutiny these days. So I have a feeling we're gonna hear more about this and it's not necessarily going to be good. We started with a game, let's end with a game. Remember Angry Birds? You'll be happy to know the 12 year old franchise is still going, which is quite an accomplishment in and of itself. But that's not what I'm going to be looking at here. I'm going to be looking at Angry Birds Journey. Journey, which to me looks a lot like pretty much any other game in the series, was in preview mode for about a year. Last week, the game was unleashed on the world and now it's available to everyone and you can see just how many downloads that generated in just a few days. The game isn't new, which is why you see downloads before the update, but those were only coming from a small number of countries where the game was available on average about 13,000 downloads a day. The update, which brought the game to all countries and opened it up to everyone, had a very exciting reception, adding 256,000 downloads last Saturday alone. Daily downloads have declined since, but are still hovering at around 140,000 downloads a day, and I expect them to spike again this weekend. Since opening up, Angry Birds Journey was downloaded 1.3 million times across iOS and Android devices worldwide, according to our estimates. It's pretty incredible to see a franchise go on for that long, and honestly, without much changing. But one thing that has changed over the years is monetization, and that's the one thing everyone seems to be hating about this game right now. And that's all I have for you today. If you have any questions, drop them in the comments. And if you wanna talk App Store optimization, make sure you to join my live stream on Wednesday. There's a link in the description below. See you next week.